0: Welcome to the fifth episode of Cult Following, the Austin awesome podcast brought to you from the people who bring you Cult Classics AZ every month at the Pollock Tempe Cinemas, where you can see your favorite Cult Classics film favorites and schlock monstrosities on the big screen, possibly. Uh, check us out at Cult Classics AZ. Our, ne- our movie for next month on the 14th is The Road Warrior. I am one of your hosts, Victor Marino. Our other hosts are Adam Rukowski. That would be me. And Kirby Nelson! Yes! Oh, you finally nailed it. It was not a sore throat or a burp this month or week. (laughs) Been working really hard. That's true. And we're all excited today. We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, You know, we're gonna talk about some of our favorite first film experiences. And we're gonna talk about some upcoming movies we're excited about hitting home video entertainment soon. And, you know, there's always lots of cool movies coming out at the theater every week, but let's just talk a little bit about some of the stuff we've been uh, watching and digging lately. Um, I think me and me and Adam just both got a chance to see a really awesome movie this weekend called Kingsman, The Secret yeah, it was, Service. It, it was terrible. Boy, gee. Imagine i watch No, but in that all... was great. It was fun. Yeah, it's really good. It's uh, a new movie from Matthew Vaughn, who you should probably know uh, directed one of my favorite movies. You know, Layer Cake, uh, the movie that got Daniel Craig the role as James Bond. And this is a, also a really cool spy movie, you know, sort of different from the norm. It was uh, based on a comic book by Mark Miller who uh, also brought us Kick-Ass. Is that how it's pronounced? Milar. I think so. I, I, I've heard an interview where his website called Milar World. Oh. Yeah. Or it could be Mark Millar. One of our... Milar. Yeah. I thought it was Millar, but... Oh, you might that, be right. That, that, that's, that's one of my least favorite
1: things when watching The, the Celebrity Apprentice, when they have Ian. I, seriously? That's how you say his name? Yes. That is. And that he true. loves correcting people. That it's, it's not Ian,
0: it's Ian. Wow, I just slap worthy. Yeah, I guess from now on I'll start calling uh, people named Brian, Brian. Right. <laughs> hey, hey, Matt! It's all that Sharknado
2: money coming in. Right.
0: Is, yeah,
2: yeah. I was at a, such a power.
0: I was at a horror convention vending uh, earlier this past. Please tell me you said horror, horror. Yes, okay. it wasn't uh, the AVN Awards or anything. Okay. No, it was uh, Days of the Dead, Los Angeles, and uh the special guests were uh, Tara Reed and Ian Ziering, and you could not have seen two people less happy to be at a horror convention mm-hmm. than two of them. Like, they felt dirty taking your money, but they wouldn't turn it down. I was at that convention as
2: well, and yes, that was, there was just a lot of uncomfortable folks there, but the, uh, I do remember one of, because uh, Victor has been there, and I've uh, attended a few of the old Weekend of Horrors in L.A. There once was one where the AVN was in the uh, or the Adult Expo was in the same in the stables Center, and that was a very interesting
0: mix. I could imagine uh, that might be a little freaky. You know?
1: Well, they they always they, in Vegas they always seem to do one of those the the porn star expos at the same time that did that they do DefCon, so they get like all the hacker nerds. With, like, all the porn
0: stars all in one mix. Well, just think, in a, in a few generations, that'll result in some beautiful nerds. Yes. Possibly. And and did you meet Tara Reed? Did you get
1: close to Tara Uh Reed?
0: My booth was actually right across from Tara Reed, so I saw Did she how, smell
1: like a catcher's mitt? That's what I imagine
0: her smell. No, skin. but she was about as orange as one. Okay. Well, yeah. that's why I thought you would smell like a catcher's movie. delicious. Yeah. Well, you know, Kirby, you've been to a lot of horror horror movies. Yeah, what's your favorite smell of all the celebrities?
1: <laughs> but yeah. I mean, and it, can you describe it, it in detail, please? Have, while I take you off my think
0: pants, of any like uh unlikely people you'd seen at horror conventions who look like, Oh my god, what am I doing here? I really have a mortgage to pay. There's just there's too many. I mean, you know, you
2: gotta feel though for a lot of people that, you know, they're just they don't get roles anymore. They don't, you know they're <laughs> they're a janitor or something in the daytime you know you have
0: no idea what oh i I meant more like someone who's doing like a cash in
2: oh there's so many of those but i mean i would say i don't know i'm trying to think there's been some interesting experiences i would definitely say um a few years ago me and lynn lowry who is super nice by the way but you know it's just that like that that kind of experience of the most interesting part to her i guess is probably deviating a little bit was that I just, all of her softcore and hardcore stuff was intermixed with her pictures very blatantly. And I actually looked down at those first before I looked up to see who it was. Yeah, that just makes it a little, little more interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, dialing it in, no one more probably than Danny Glover. And I think he was charging, like, 80 bucks in auto and, cool. like, $100 Dear a photo. God, seriously? It might be less. I'm not... Don't quote me well, on that. Well, even still, if it was, like, 50 bucks, it would. I don't know. I think it I may have know. been, like, 50 an autograph and, like, you got a combo package. I mean, I've heard, like, Stallone charges, like, yeah, 500. Yeah, but Stallone oh. charges,
0: like, five or $600 for an autograph. He was at the New York Comic Con not too long <sighs> ago. And I think, like, Hulk Hogan is doing, like, that same kind of thing now. I think that's the flip side since we're kind kind of, you know, involved in nostalgia ourselves, you know, talking about our favorite movies in a podcast, and we, you know, exhibit these movies, there's like a flip side to that, and people fall into this nostalgia trap where they're like rebuying their childhood at like a premium, you know, and I know people can afford that, but to me, like, when you're charging six, seven hundred dollars for an autographed boxing glove, that seems crass to me, I don't know. But, you know, at the same time, it's like what Kirby said. Some of these people don't have... You know disposable income but i would say stallone probably doesn't need to charge 700 dollars a signature or whatever it is
1: no not unless he was doing it for charity or something. yeah that's, and that's i don't think I it was
2: i don't know if it wasn't uh, uh, i i doubt a I lot probably, of them i mean yeah. that's only on those those shows where you know it's like this goes to my favorite charity like a reality or a, a contest you know base system where but i mean i feel that i mean if you're going to donate to charity and your regular rate is like 20 but you're asking for 40 And you're going to give that other 20 or the full 40. And there have been excellent folks uh, I've met that have done that. And and that's all good. And then there's people like, whatever that was, about seven years ago, running into Corey Haim where I'm like, dude, I just don't want to support your addiction. I'm really sorry.
0: I think it was the last weekend of horror convention. Uh, he had ever done me. It was 2009, I want to say. Yeah, 2009, I think. And, uh, yeah, he was there with uh, G-Tom G- Mack, who, uh, you know, did uh, Cry Little Sister. And just, he looked really bad. And well, we I saw Corey Heyman at Days of the Dead, too, recently. No,
2: Corey Feldman. Or Corey Feldman. Yeah, Sorry. Corey
0: Feldman we saw, and he was in full... He... Did he have his half gloves Full on? Michael Jackson. Except he doesn't look like Michael Jackson anymore. He kind of looks like your elderly aunt. you know his his hair is tied so bad it just looks like a wig and he's just like walking around a little hunched over with like stylish clothes from like 15 years ago make sure you see the rhinestone everybody all right i don't
2: remember him smoking benson and hedges and playing bingo but it's probably the first part's pretty close
0: (laughs) but it was just funny because we saw him and he was just like engaged in a serious conversation with hot rod rowdy roddy piper and uh Wow, surreal. Yeah, that it was surreal. was, very was odd. in the room,
2: too. It was it was interesting, but uh, it, the most, one of the most cringeworthy things I've ever seen online is if you can find up the or look up on YouTube, it went viral years ago, but it's the one of Corey Feldman trying to launch his music career in the Michael Jackson era when he literally mm-hmm. tried to dance and sing. Oh, yeah. Not so much, not not so much, man. But yeah. it's. I think the title of it is like if you Google it, it's Corey Feldman embarrasses himself. <laughs> so I think that says it all.
0: Just to tie up our uh, brief foray into uh, <laughs> convention uh, horror stories, I will say the, the weirdest thing if you're going to look up Corey Feldman is uh, Vice did a piece on him not too long ago where he was uh, charging people to attend his birthday party. And like he just had a bunch of like random, I guess, uh, streetwalker-looking uh, people, you know, m- m- you know, women of the night, and a rented Street Fighter II arcade machine, which was not on free play. <laughs> But I think you can look that up on Vice. But, um, you know, now that we... Well, I, w- I would go and
1: pay to go to one of his parties if he had that, that new Star Wars game that they're doing where you sit, like, in the
0: pod. Yeah. I don't what they call it, but it's a new one where it's, like, a 3D yeah. thing. Yeah,
1: and, I think... Going through the trenches or ad-ads. Yeah.
0: Then I would go. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you're gonna... I think it was also a pilot for, like, a reality kind of project, but it looked really cheap. Like, he had pictures of himself from, like, the Lost Boys just, like, like tacked to his walls, not even in frames,
2: you know. I hope that's, like, sandwiched on, like, Vice's channel between, like, the cannibal warlords of Liberia and their documentary on the drug Crocodile. Like, <laughs> that's just a picture, a, a still of Cory Phelps. Wow. That would be, that's what I would like to see.
0: I, right. I just hope he's handling his money properly. Uh, one can only hope. But, segueing now from our uh, intro on uh, convention horror stories, we're going to talk a little bit because uh, about uh, things we're looking for that are hitting home video this week because as you're hearing this it is now tuesday and it is the day that new releases hit our shelves and we're excited about a few of these right guys
1: uh, yes, yes
0: yes yes sure um Personally, I'm going to talk about a couple that I'm interested in. Game of Thrones season four, apparently, is kind of a good season. Yes, it's a very good season. And, uh, you know, season five is on the horizon, but I-, I love getting these. That's how they time all this stuff. I know. And I have, every, even though I have HBO Go, I do have every season of Game of Thrones on Blu ray because I like getting the little box sets, you know. And I think Best Buy always has ones that are themed to the different houses and everything. And it's just the nerd in me. Like I need it, I need it, I need it
1: the only the only thing that I can say about like the, the the box sets that come out now as opposed to like like ten years ago, the commentaries for the individual episodes have gone down from like it being almost every single episode down to like maybe three
0: selected. Yeah. Episodes, and that's which is a dr- bummer. It is kind of a bummer, especially nowadays since like so many like of the directors from Game of Thrones are getting poached to, dir- to direct higher profile stuff. Yeah. Like Alan Taylor, who directed um a lot of the really good episodes in the first couple seasons of Game of Thrones. Now he like directs he directed Thor to the Dark World, which was a really good movie. Mm-hmm. And you can see why they got him for it. It's just kind of like a you know, a little baby step into a big budget, you know, uh version of that world. And of course Neil Martin who i guess you know distinguished himself so well directing like episodes of that show and we know him from movies like doomsday and dog soldiers Mm -hmm. but now he's like the go-to guy to direct the pilot of your show like he directed like the pilot for constantine oh yeah yeah which is an awesome show could also be constantine if we're staying on the (laughs) but i love i love constantine i really hope that show gets a second season yeah, I think the, um, I noticed
2: too that's happened in The Walking Dead as well is that they have uh, people who've done films before, like kind of like your Neil Marshall level mm-hmm. of folks are getting some bigger projects and then also some people are having their careers reinvigorated. It's kind of like being in an independent feature as an actor and then getting a new spark
0: yeah that. i mean if you look at the big success story i think from that is also the russo brothers who uh directed a lot of episodes of community they directed like the very first paintball episode and they directed captain america to the winter soldier i guess now they're going to direct both of the avengers infinity war movies i think I, you know i think I'm, I'm thinking back i remember two different
1: things maybe i might be mixing them in my head But the first time that i started seeing like actual Film directors doing television episodes, where that kind of became, you know, pretty popular, Mm -hmm. Um, was, well, I know they did it with E.R., but I want to say, did they start doing that with St. Elsewhere? Or am I just like clumping all my mm-hmm. weird
0: medical shows I together? I do remember Quentin Tarantino directed an episode a, a, a of ER because ER, it was There's a big a deal people, because yeah. they didn't want to let him do it because he's not a member of the Directors Guild of America. Right. Which, again, if for movie nerds out there, one of the reasons Quentin Tarantino didn't get nominated for Best Director for Pulp Fiction is because he wasn't a member of the DGA and they decided to get nominated for that just right. so it. maybe
1: it just
2: did come from ER where it yeah. came like in fashion to well, it was definitely that it definitely happened in the 90s was a lot of those shows gaining individuals and that's where they were starting to um, you know cherry pick people but it's weird to even think of like um, you know uh, one of my favorite series at least the first and second seasons of it uh, from the eighties was uh late eighties, early nineties was the uh Friday the thirteenth of this series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, and, I, I uh, like that. And the, I think Warehouse thirteen is shamelessly copied yeah. that show. And the best episode by far directed that was uh David Cronenberg's episode, mm-hmm. the uh Faith Healer. Um absolutely incredible. You should definitely check it out if you can. Uh the third season of that series, uh the final season took a downturn due to some recasting. Um but it's 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 amazing. It also is uh Oh God, his name escapes me right now. John, uh the protagonist, male protagonist of the show. The older guy? No, the um the younger guy. It's him and John his cousin. B-
1: Big Big Boutet.
2: <laughs> Weirdly enough, I don't remember. I, I wanna say, say like Lamel or something, but he's also in uh uh jason goes to hell and uh-huh. he's the male protagonist in that so he's the only one who's ever acted the only
0: one i remember from the, is uh, the girl on that show her name was roby yeah i thought that was the weirdest thing. Yeah. i guess i looked it up like one years later because i was curi- curious whatever happened to her <laughs> and i guess she married like some like baron or count and she's yeah. like royalty in a european <laughs> country now she's got like a princess grace thing going on yeah exactly
2: yeah she um, yeah she she did go her stage name I think was her last name but it was very interesting yeah it was Lisa Roby. yep that Mm -hmm. was it Uh, but yeah very good stuff So, but there, you know, it's interesting that you would think about that. I mean, he was at the height of his, he had done the fly. I mean, his actual Hollywood career was still pretty big for him to do an episode like that. I just don't think was that common. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. But he loves doing stuff like that. That he does. Well, and staying on topic, another, another, uh, release coming out tomorrow is, uh, or yeah, the Tuesday is the theory of everything starring Eddie remain as Stephen Hawking who is also right now in Jupiter Ascending. And you saw Jupiter Ascending, didn't you, Adam? Yes. Why don't you tell us what you think about Jupiter Ascending? You're very tentative to admit
2: that. Uh,
1: um,
0: Easily seen, easily forgotten. I had heard something about his performance in that movie being well, it, interesting. It,
1: yeah, it was an interesting choice. Just kind of, kind of like how the Sam Jackson did with uh, with Kingsman, like just the choice on how to execute the role, I suppose. So, um, but he, but in, uh, I'm sorry, what's his name again? In the Eddie um, Redmayne, Eddie. I, I d- he was probably the better performers out of most of them. And I, and I, and I hate to admit this, but even like Channing. Tatum, it's probably, like, the best role I've seen him in. Really? Where it didn't, like, really bug me. But the thing
0: was, is, like, everything, pretty much everything else in the film did bug me. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if I, I want to see that movie. I did see Cloud Atlas, and I kind of liked it. I mean, I think feel like that's the highest recommendation I can give Cloud Atlas that I kind of liked it. I feel like some of the weird makeup and, you know, gender and race changing stuff seemed a little too blackface for me mm-hmm. but i mean if there was strong acting throughout the movie and it was and there, i couldn't get through the bit. whole thing that was the
2: Wachowskis, right yeah, yeah the Wachowskis yeah. present
0: the jazz singer <laughs>
2: <Ouch>. <laughs> <laughs> well i mean but the one thing i've heard you know always with cloud alice is that's a classic example though people always tell me to read the book and say the source material. Well, I've really, heard really that more,
0: part of the re, like people who like Cloud Atlas seem to say it does capture like the kind of epic scope of the book, which it does. The that movie is well. pretty epic,
1: but that's comparing like David Lynch's Dune to the book. Yeah, it's but, like for me, I think the most resonant part about the film to the book because I read the book before I saw the film, and I was like in fifth grade when I read the book. Yeah, and what I liked is it brought that the 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 visuals mm-hmm. like then i could like even like see the stuff that i was visualizing in my own head which was really cool but you know it didn't uh, it didn't cover all the topics that i wish the book you know that they yeah, i think the you're book always gonna get to that film. from
0: adaptations like i remember right. when i i read dune you know a couple times it, the last time i remember reading it was like i, I took a physics class in, in high school and we had to read it for extra credit um and one of the things I remember rereading it then. They made what, you read it? Like well, it was, it was kind of like you didn't have to read it. They gave you a list of books yeah. you could well, read. Well, that's,
1: yeah, that's what they did with us. They gave us like a list. Yeah. And then they had like the regular list, but then they had like the extra bonus yeah. list, which were the big honking books like, you know, The Hobbit, Dune, you know, whatever else have you on that one. But Yeah.
0: And like one of the things I remember a few years ago, the, the Sci Fi Channel financed a remake mm-hmm. of Dune, which uh, was a. Uh, Shot by uh, uh, I think it's his name was uh, Storaro. He's the same uh, director of photography they used on Apocalypse Now, so it has this very like surreal look to it. Oh, the cinematographer, yeah, yeah, Yeah. because it's John Harrison. Was yeah, he was the director. Yeah, but it was, you know, scoped by the same director okay. of photography. From same. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, the thing I w- wanted to say about that is, watching both of those movies, I thought Dune captured a lot of the, uh, the David Lynch Dune captured mm-hmm. a lot of the more fantastic elements of the book. You know, the, like, the Space Guild and the Ben and Gesserits, I thought were much, like, more realized in the Lynch version, mm-hmm. but the sci-fi dune i thought actually captured the whole like um fremen uprising like you actually saw class structures there which i like watching dune as a kid like completely went over my head oh yeah yeah, So it, it's always different things that a different adaptation will take from a book to make it work. Oh, absolutely. So
2: since I haven't seen it yet, Adam, I don't think Victor has either. But Jupiter Ascending, you know, in our last podcast we talked about the whole, you know, dump movies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And these kind of development hell and these things that are just so belated. Because I know this one and the other one was Seventh Son came Well, out so recently. is
0: Kingsman. I remember Kings- seeing yeah. trailers for Kingsman like a year ago, maybe yeah, or- well, I
2: actually recently saw The Loft, which I also found out was a film that was uh, three years. It was filmed, oh, no, four years ago almost. It was filmed in 2011, so four years. Mm-hmm. It's been sitting there. I, I mean, I'm not, not a great film, not a terrible film, kind of a lifetime original movie, but mm-hmm. it was like. Um, It was interesting. It was a remake of a Belgian film, I believe. But, um, you know, it's just another one that just, you know, sat there for years. And, you know, all these ones, like, I I saw when Jupiter Ascending dropped, people were saying, uh, you know, this is the next John Carter. This is going to... You know, and it's interesting how John Carter, it hasn't kind of hit that cult classic point. But, I mean, it definitely has a following and people have gone, you know, it was it was Waterworld. Mm-hmm. While World, Waterworlded, which is uh, like, you know, water World actually I, made money eventually. And John Carter I don't think, like, <laughs> has John Carter made money eventually? I think it made mo- enough money overseas, overseas. to okay. break even, but not to make a profit. Because to
0: me, like, watching John, John Carter, which I've seen that movie a couple times, I don't think it's ever gone going to be like you know a space opera type oh we're gonna look at it and you know it's gonna build up a following but at the same time i could kind of see it in the same pantheon as maybe like flash gordon we like oh let me watch this movie and give it another chance I'm like oh, i like, think john carter is gonna be one of those saturday afternoon movies that you're yeah, gonna well, that's, see that's well, like kind like of how how my,
1: my attitude, like attitude
0: with like flash gordon where it's kind of like I won't go out of my way to see it but if it's on I'm like oh cool let's check this out it's a fun movie well i meant more with the
2: following especially in that we are such a i mean increasingly um you know critical society and that people though are also whether it's that they genuinely enjoy it or they're just doing it to go against the grain but i am seeing more of a fan base i i guess the question i was posing to you adam mm-hmm. was more like do you see Jupiter Ascending being a film that either maybe visually, in its visual style, or it's because I definitely haven't heard anything good about the script or the, the you oh, know, right. the rhyme. Mm-hmm. But the visuals, I have heard some people said they enjoyed. So it's well, I, not- I wanted to see it just for the eye candy
1: mm-hmm. more so. Okay, and it was something that we were discussing, so it was on the brain. Well, even when I knew the release date, I wanted to see it. Anne really liked it. She liked the story. She liked the people. Well, she thought the story was real convoluted and hard to follow. But she wants to see it again. She liked how it looked. She liked the 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 atmosphere and the world that they created. Um, Visually, it was okay. It just it's not like Battlefield Earth, where it's just a complete disaster and like a vanity piece. It's just you knew that it was from a novel that probably came out
0: like maybe in the late seventies. Um, Which and is was funny because it's like an original screenplay. Well, I thought it was based off a novel. No, it's not. It's the Wachowskis' original idea.
2: But the, the but that the, I think the, that's the, where the, the general the, themes, though, are definitely because when like you get eight,
1: all these different pulp. races and then they're like you know all genetically changed to be you know part animal and everything it. It had, like, a real feel. I'm, I'm I'm kind of blanking on the novels that I've read that have been similar like that. But the world works so well in a novel because it's, like, just all over the place but doesn't necessarily work in the film. The editing was really sloppy, too. It's, well, I get they the just, feeling, get too, this was, like, a movie this.
0: that they, like, you know, weren't too, like, like, oh, this is confident about. So I feel like there's probably a different movie.
1: Well, maybe, but even if it was, like, cut into, like, like two different ones if it's like a longer film
2: Mm -hmm. I don't
1: I still don't think it would really work yeah. I think it would just be boring. I, I just like
2: that, the way you put that. The uh, You know, it's supposed to be part animal. It's like, yeah, 70s pulp sci-fi novel or slash 80s animated series turned into a toy line.
0: I wouldn't <laughs> I, I mean, wouldn't doubt if they got their idea from like Animorphs or something. Yeah. The Wachowskis are very well known for sourcing their ideas from right. other popular things. But just to finish up, so you guys know we're trying to stay on topic here. <laughs> St- trying to stay on topic uh, should really be the name yeah. of this podcast, but that's fine. <laughs> Coming I'm, out. Birdman with Michael Keaton. Loved I it. have not seen it, but I want Didn't to see it. it. Either, but Life uh, Itself, totally. the documentary on Roger Ebert. Yeah, that that was really good, but really tough to watch at the same I, time. I'm kind of really surprised uh, that that wasn't nominated for an Academy Award for Best Documentary, just considering Roger Ebert just died and it's a documentary about movies. Right. Just struck me as kind of odd. But also, Jadowski's Doom wasn't nominated for Best documentary this past year so i really and
1: that actually made good
0: money yeah and it's really good yeah. i mean so I this, whoever wins best documentary this year is just not gonna be memorable <laughs> we hate you yeah <laughs> you're the shakespeare and love of documentaries for 2014 um the interview comes out which if you haven't seen it by now i mean it's available everywhere i feel it's like on netflix right yeah, now yeah it's too. it's it's, it. I, it's like we've talked about before i feel like it's an enjoyable movie it probably sony probably should have just released that in theaters because a lot of the fun cameos and stuff in that movie were just like wasted um saint vincent comes out i'm interested in seeing that with bill murray and uh, you know coming Oh, uh, speaking of Bill
1: Murray sorry I'm going to get uh, you know a little sidetracked here did you watch the SNL 40th
0: no I have have as yet to watch the SNL 40 though I do understand he was doing his lounge singer character it it
1: was very enjoyable Mm -hmm. Uh, we didn't last like the last 40 minutes Ann and I were just way too tired and fell asleep how long was it it was like three and a half hours oh wow I was thinking it was was like like a regular length episode okay no no it was really good and they got a lot a lot of alumni um just over the last 40 years that i was really surprised to see we'd be like oh my god it's so blah 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 so if they ever rebroadcast or anything like that I highly i'm suggest sure it's probably it. on
0: hulu or something
1: um but um yeah no uh oh my gosh i just got off topic no no we're, you talk- were talking
2: about bill murray yeah bill you know, murray yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no he but,
1: did he did his lounge act and yeah. that was like one of the highlights of the whole night and Ann even said it's like oh they should have just close with that because it was so good yeah he was so pitch perfect i uh, mean for one thing it's like holy shit there's bill murray you know and he's coming back just for like a television reunion for like not even five minutes yeah there that's is, pretty you know?
0: awesome And one of the things i did see it one clip from weekend update where they had celebrities doing uh characters who played by actors who had passed on like they had a I think it was Emma Stone was Roseanne. Roseanne. Yeah, some gone. of those were a little difficult. Um, them, the one I saw, I'm, I'm here's my me getting on my high horse here. Melissa McCarthy being uh, Matt Foley. <laughs>
1: that, was, that was funny. I, it's uh.
0: funny, but like, it gets to a thing where we've been talking about because we saw we saw Kingsman earlier and they had a Paul Blart Mall Cop Two trailer, and basically the whole thing is look at me, I'm a fat guy and I'm, I'm falling on shit, and it's, to me that. I feel like Melissa McCarthy is a really good actress, and I really hope she starts doing. Is she parts. playing Paul Paul Blart this this time around? No, but like, there's a part at the end where there was like a a woman who like I thought it was Melissa McCarthy because she was like hitting on Paul Blart, and I was like, oh, you know, of course they're gonna pair. It might not be her. She didn't take the helmet off, but it's just yeah, like I don't think it was her. Yeah, I I just I w- would like it if Melissa McCarthy would do some stuff that wasn't. Fat humor. Well, yeah, um, expensive weight. I saw yeah. Tammy recently,
2: and it's a um, you know I never I didn't see it theatrically. It's just like a red box rental, and it's it's one of those ones where you know it's like trying to be trying to toe that line perfectly between the 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 dramedy, the you know comedy and drama of it, and it's got like Susan Sarandon's in it, a bunch of other folks. And it's just one of those ones where. It's it's got some good parts. The opening, it starts good and stuff. It's it's you know, you're almost hoping it's just going to keep going on this very dark path where, you know, how upset she is with her life, uh, the uh protagonist, Tammy, and you you know, you're into it and then it just kind of reaches a point where it it's cookie cutter. And, mm. I mean, it just becomes very cheesy and I don't know, contrived, but Melissa McCarthy, I mean, you know, I mean a lot of people, you know, Mike and Molly kind of think some of it was for the um the heat, or of course, bridesmaids being a, a good one. I actually love
0: bridesmaids. Yeah, I think Paul Feig knows how to use her because I really yeah. liked her in bridesmaids, and and he's doing the Ghostbusters remake with her. So I think hopefully they'll. What's the thing that where one. they
2: don't focus on? It's not about weight. It's not about anything other than her ability in like the bridesmaids character. She's just so damn like blatant. You know, it's just such a like a. It's actually a confident, very confident yeah. role. But, that like, fight. if well, he's, like,
0: Identity Thief is, like, the exact opposite exactly. of that movie. So, maybe yeah. that, I just, don't watch Identity Thief. It's, <laughs> you know,
2: that's all I'm well, saying. And the only, thing I'll only comment I'll add on the SNL thing was, Eddie Murphy, just just stop, dude. Just let it go. Like, it's, it's over for, I mean, it was over for you a long time long long time well, ago. what did eddie murphy do
0: on there i, I
2: nothing no, nothing that's the exact
1: the he whole, came out and he said oh thanks for all your praise
2: on to the next skit wow yeah. there's really? no humor i'm you not think, kidding that's what verbatim what it's said. pretty much i mean he i think it's something that clocked him out, like 73 seconds and i mean he hasn't been on 31 years and it's just one of those things like i wasn't expecting you know mr robinson's neighborhood or some of the other bits i mean i, I it will. Nothing will
0: ever be funnier to me. It's than just Delirious. sad to see how Chevy Chase and Eddie Murphy have just kind of squandered yeah. their talent. Their talent. I mean,
2: it's that's the thing. Delirious to me is the epitome of great stand-up comedy. I mean, yeah, some of the humor is dated. It's controversial. It's that and that. But it isn't even the the racial, uh, sexual orientation related stuff. It's his you know familial stories. His his very just great humor and and delivery and then it's just gone i mean it's like yo i mean if you want to do daddy daycare for the rest of your life or what and he did do that he passed on to cuba jr who oh, also yeah. has pretty much just gone down a path where there's a there, path of no return yeah. but i just it's sad to see someone who i i grew up loving his movies i love the golden child i'm probably one of the few people that loves that movie yeah i, I watched it were.
0: recently and I, I i feel like the golden child is actually a pretty good movie mm-hmm. the big problem just as you know uh sidebar <laughs> uh the golden child big trouble in little china came out the exact same year yeah. the exact same summer and both of them were kind of like you know middle eastern mystically themed but then the actual movie is hard to describe so i think they kind of cannibalize each other That's my take now, in hindsight. But I feel like those are both really solid movies. But, you know, Big Trouble in Little China, I think, obviously is holding up better. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it's just a fun movie.
2: Mm -hmm. I mean, this is... It, when you said there, I'm like, yeah, it was the volcano Dante's peak of <laughs> oh yeah exactly, <laughs> the but yeah, it's pretty much there was there was you know an era of films where you know that that kind of stuff and and there was a big interest in in fari stuff, and you know it it just worked, but I mean, I wouldn't call it a great film. I do think carpenter obviously his direction and ideas and how it seeped into and his perform- he got a lot better performances out of people. But, um, you know, it's just a lot of fun. It's, it's more of a nostalgia thing than anything. Mm-hmm.
0: But Well, speaking of nostalgia, um, you know, we've been talking a little bit about, uh, uh, we're talking a little bit about, you know, John Carpenter and, you know, The Golden Child and Big Trouble in Little China and how we're about to uh, talk about, as we segue into our main topic here we're going to talk about you know what what are some of our favorite first film experiences you know i mean i remember watching you know national lampoon's christmas vacation and beverly hills cop and those are like obviously important films for somebody growing up in the 80s but i think we've all had like sort of different experiences with uh you know what movies sort of shaped us into the kind of person that we are and i think we're all going to talk about that a little bit you know and adam don't you kind of like kick us off here you know in the exploring this topic which i i'm excited to talk about it oh yeah no sure i mean i it's uh
1: you know for the longest time i'd i'd wonder like where did my tastes come from what movies you know why do i like these movies as opposed to these other films um you know what got me into horror and all that stuff and i suppose i have to you know i have to blame my parents because i mean who else is there to blame really uh not unless i had like you know a cool uncle that would show me this or that or whatever but it wasn't like that instead of like having our yearly christmas uh you know it's a wonderful life i think almost every single christmas we would watch uh uh, escape from new york oh really and that was that's like our awesome. christmas movie i mean we'd also watch you know like wizard of oz and stuff like that too but i always remember like every year watching escape from new york or we tried to at least if it was on tv or if we had it i don't know um but that's a very vivid memory or you know going to the movies we went to the drive-in a lot yeah so did we um and it would always be triple features and i remember i don't i think well no wait no no i remember what the movie was. Um is they took us to a triple feature and this is really a bizarre combination uh it was battle beyond the stars the mm. roger corman
0: oh classic. yeah it sid haig is a space danger. that's that's right yeah
1: and um then it was uh two um cheech and chong movies after that so I don't know how that, you know, just got grouped together, but I think maybe, you know, they had like the lighthearted one and then the kids would fall asleep in the back and then they'd have the raunchier ones for the adults. So I remember my mom telling the story because I remember watching Battle Beyond the Stars and then falling asleep and then my parents just laughing and, like, waking me up, and I'd be like, oh, what's going on? What's so funny? And they're like, oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. And they realize, well, we should probably go, because if they wake up and they start hearing this language, you know, we should, we should probably just leave. But them, you know, laughing in the front seat other than that i remember uh there was the cooper theater which was like the big screen theater that was in minnesota um where you know i'd see the you see star wars or my dad was just like he can't stop talking about star wars um indiana jones temple of doom saw like all the big spielberg lucas yeah. at the Cooper Theater, uh, which unfortunately isn't around anymore. It's one of those theaters that was, you know, it was the original, like, stadium seating and just all, like, the gold leaf and, and red velvet, you know, it was a, it was just a total throwback, almost kind of like what the Cine Capri is like, but not as sterile, but mm-hmm. just, like, really, really just vintage and old um, and just one big circle. And that was just, that was a really cool place. There are a couple other places that I remember... Uh, briefly, I remember, uh, my last one would be, um, it was when Return of the Jedi came out, uh, I was in maybe third grade and I cried all night, the night before it came out because I was begging my dad to take me out of school so I could see it first showing (laughs) on that Friday. And he's like, no, I'm not going to take you out of school to see a movie. I'm like, but it's the last Star Wars film. It's Return of the Jedi. And the other reason why I had to go is because there was a friend of mine in the neighborhood who his dad was taking him out of school because his dad wanted to see it first thing opening. Oh, wow. I'm like, well, no, I got you know, to get there and see it, too, because if he starts talking about it, I'm just going to be angry because I didn't get to go. So... I cried and cried and cried and finally, because I was just lying in bed crying. As they're like, it's bedtime. I don't know how long I was sitting there. I, you know, I could say it was probably like three hours or something, just nonstop, yeah. just going. Ah, ah, I hate my life. I hate you. And then my dad finally goes, and will you shut up? If I take you tomorrow. I say, yes, dimple, (laughs) dimple, dimples. So, yeah, I got to go. I actually saw Return of the Jedi twice. Um, I don't know if we went to the very first showing, but it was probably around, like, you know, noon or something like that. And then we saw it again. There uh, There was another, a different friend in the neighborhood who had tickets um, for like the nine o'clock showing, I fell asleep at the nine o'clock showing because I mean I was up all day just so hyper about you know I oh, already yeah, did see I it imagine. just jumping off the walls and then by the time nine o'clock came around I was just like <sighs> sleeping through it. I think when the Ewoks popped up that was when I uh, took a little nap because I was thinking a little warm fuzzy
0: jub jub-jub jubs jub jubs running through the forest
1: <laughs> as I was getting a jub jub.
0: Yeah, I, I I think I remember like. I don't remember seeing Return of the Jedi in a theater when I was a kid, but I do very clearly remember getting like being into it because I had like a micro machines, like, you know, battle of Hoth play set. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching it at home, probably on video after it came out. I remember the Ewoks, but I don't remember seeing it in a movie theater. I just remember seeing that. Oh, uh, a friend of mine, another friend of mine, his he had
1: a bootleg copy of Return of the Jedi on VHS. Oh. Like, the, like we, a couple weeks after it's was out in the theater. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, we weren't like really good friends, but once I knew that he had the copy, he was like sleeping over at my house like all the time. <laughs> That's pretty
2: awesome. What, did he bring his giant 80s camcorder in and set it up on a he, tripod? Yeah, I know. I mean, back then, and I mean, then that was probably The outlet a cord, the extension well, I cord. I imagine back
0: then, like, you know, I, I do remember like, important like blockbuster movies would play like almost around the clock when they first came out in the 80s yeah. you know you could go see a movie at like 3 a.m or something well, no, that's very
2: true well there would only be usually most people i mean depending on where you grew up i mean you know usually only uh, you a drive-in maybe a theater um you know there wasn't even second run theaters i remember until yeah. like the early well,
0: 90s yeah i remember like going to see like you know it wasn't uncommon like oh well we can still get tickets to like the 130 show for x amount of movie certain movie even in the late 90s yeah i think it's only in the last I what think. was the uh i mean i would
2: say maybe to your mid-teens what was the mult? how many screens was
0: the biggest theater you went to
2: Oh, maybe four tops.
0: Yeah. I, well, I lived in California. So, like, I remember, like, around 1980, this is one of the earliest movies I ever remember seeing. My dad took me and my brother to go see uh, Robocop. And we saw Robocop in the theater, like, at least three or four times. <laughs> and this is 1986. So I was, like, seven. Wow. You know, no, and this is a thing. Like, Robocop, the first one, was totally marketed towards kids. And oh, we yeah. went to go see yeah, it at the AMC Rolling Hill 6 it had six screens and it was like a huge theater you know and it was the biggest one in like you know that area the south bay in southern california and we went to go see robocop and i was like so hyped for it. i mean they had toys for like robocop it was like it like a little like uh action figure. you could remove his head and have it as a thimble and you could put caps in the back and just like flip the back <laughs> and it would go psh, you know but we went no to- bodiker action figure no <laughs> it was yeah it was like robocop and the cyber police i think when the toy line was for the cartoon that accompanied the movie yeah. uh-huh. and uh <clears throat> so we went to go see robocop and i remember loving robocop my like this is you know you're desensitized to violence when you're a kid you don't it doesn't seem real to you some people are super sensitive to it i think I was the opposite where i'm like yeah, I hope he dies. You know, like the part where like RoboCop like sticks his a uh, memory spike in Clarence Boddicker's neck. I remember very clearly as a child going, "Yeah," <laughs> you know, you know. It's like versus now where I go, "Yeah, you motherfucker." <laughs> versus then I think I was like, "Yeah, kill him," you know. But I remember when we, when the screening was over. They had, like, the ushers hand you, like, a little... I, I used to have this not even that long ago. I think I might have mentioned it, like, on some post I made to on Facebook or something. People like, I remember having that, too. They gave you, like, an honorary, like, OCP, like, you know, you watched RoboCop. You're a member of the Omni Police Force. And I'm like, it, it was like yeah. a little blue thing, not much size of a sheet of notebook paper. And they were giving it this out to, like, kids, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, and that to me, like, seriously, I saw RoboCop at least twice at that theater. And we saw it at this other theater called the Carson Twin Cinema, which was right, were, like, a few blocks from my house. And we saw so many movies there. It was funny because years later, I, I was reading an interview with Quentin Tarantino. I guess he saw movies there all the time because the, the, the neighborhood we lived in was, like, very much, like, Hispanic, Black, and, like, Samoan, you know, so it was, like, very much, like, a very urban area, and, like, you know, they would play, like, uh, you know, Kung Fu movies on the weekend, like, and to me, it's, that's, that's one of the things I thought was weird growing up later on, like, you know, it was, like, very much like a grindhouse here, but I thought it was totally normal for, like, to watch, you Mm -hmm. know, Kung Fu movies and, like, B comedies all the time, like, we saw... Robocop and then like we left and walked into the other theater and watched like legend. You know, and they would play like you know, the nightmare on Elm Street movies and they'd have like the Freddy right there next to the arcade machine and the floor was like so sticky. <laughs> and I remember when it finally went out of business, like for years, like had like the same marquee, like it was like quick change was the very last movie they ever played. <laughs> you know, it's like that's someone like Bill Murray's like yeah. a clown. Yeah. yeah and I remember watching that every time I said I wish I could watch this movie on the big screen and I lived across the street from a video store and we would like basically my dad would like you know it was only like 75 cents on Tuesday rent movies and we would just like rent every freaking movie there and I saw so many bad movies there like Doctor Alien Transformations The Brood you know, the stuff, um, every oh, come on, man. The Brood and the stuff are classics. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
2: but when you're a kid, they're clearly like... Well, yeah, yeah. You the know, Larry Cohen the- films, I don't imagine. I, I love the stuff as a kid, but a lot of the Larry Cohen stuff you'd watch later, and it was just like, what? <laughs> you know, even as a kid, I was kind of like... But that was the other thing. I still loved it. It's It's the most interesting thing for me, and kind of what you were reminiscing about, like uh-huh. the OCP certificates, is that... It's crazy. There's still a huge amount of marketing. But when I was a kid, I mean, I mean, first and foremost, it was like the way you found out about movies. I mean, you watch television to hopefully see like a teaser or a trailer but then you would see um and the previews of course before your trailers before um the films but it was like the posters were so important i mean because not only was the art so amazing yeah a if lot the movie of those, had a bad poster you were convinced it was exactly. a bad movie and then they had i mean it just piqued your imagination almost instantly like seeing a lot of stuff i mean that diminished it, it definitely in the 90s but in the 80s when i start going to see movies i I, I feel really blessed of seeing it. I mean, I missed the whole, like, I don't ever remember seeing like lobby cards or any of those kind of um, things by I definitely I think lobby I briefly. 70s No, lobby
0: 40s. cards really depended on the type of theater you went no. to. When I was, when I went to college at UCLA, they had a The man bruin which was the theater across the street from the man westwood which is where they had all the movie premieres and the man bruin was like an old movie theater had a huge lobby you know and it was like a huge lobby when it was built in the 20s or whatever so they had spaces in the wall built for lobby cards (laughs) even if you go like to some theaters in la like the arrow theater the american Cinematheque. They have space for those, so you have to make them so people can go up and read a little bit about the movie. Because, you know, a nicer theater, like, oh, I want to know something more than just the poster buffet. (laughs) Pretty
2: much. Well, I mean, they were also, I mean, lobby cards were huge. I mean, that was your biggest part of foreign sales. Yeah. Was being able to do the descriptions in the language, but then have the images. But it was, that's what I'm saying, the images The only reason I knew was because I go this, like, if we're lucky, go to, like, the local convenience store or, you know, maybe the grocery store. And they might have an issue of, especially for me, it was big to find Fangoria Mm. or Starlog Mm -hmm. or just that commemorative issue. Um, This is more, yeah, yeah, the mid early to mid-80s stuff. And then the late 80s to early 90s, I mean, it was huge. But it was, like, that was the thing. It's, like, I people tell me I always have such an amazing memory but I definitely did not have one as a kid I don't remember a lot of stuff so I would buy like trading cards the novelization of the movie if I oh, was yeah. really I had, I it. had
0: the novelization yeah. of uh, the Karate Kid and the Karate Kid part <laughs> 2 as well <laughs> and I remember it, no very, glory of yeah. love CD yeah. included but still no the other thing Kirby just touched on were like trading cards Um, I had like all the Batman uh, you know the 1989 Batman movie Tops made trading cards of it it's like you couldn't have you know because back then it was like a year before a movie came out right. on yeah. video and so it's like you would forget so like all they would put out trading cards like oh I remember this part of the movie and then you would have like stickers but that was the best one was the Batman one. Didn't just have
2: one series, it had a second series. Yeah. I I heard they once tried to do a third series. And I mean at that point in time you know they're hitting up a studio, see how many more stills they could get because it
0: was like they had run through them all oh no because i remember too the batman one had like ones that talked about the history like they would have the yep. comics yep. in there like oh this is the co- the cover of like detective comics 39 or this is the cover of the first I- appearance of the joker i remember having multiple bob the goon behind the scenes trading cards <laughs> no the other thing i remember that was not oh, good those lines father. was uh uh, when Terminator 2 Judgment Day came out they had sticker cards and you could go to the store and buy a sticker album so you could put the cards in the order of the movie chronologically oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so once you have them all oh look I have the book like a picture book I also have like I even have a like, uh, they used to do this like before that like in the early 80s and stuff because I have a few of these they'd have like illustrated like novels that were basically that without stickers because I have one for the photo inv- yeah because yeah, yeah. I have one of those for like invasion of the body snatchers which is one of my favorite movies the 78 one yeah we had an old school
2: bookstore that i mean was a total it's still there um, near where i grew up uh, i don't remember the name of it but it was just amazing um um absolutely incredible uh you know, you could just dive through stuff and it was all like cover price or less and that's also where I found a lot of my first comic books because I, I grew up pretty much in the cuts like I was an hour from pretty much everything I mean we had a grocery store it was like 30 minutes away so it was hard to get a lot of stuff um but that's, I mean, that's the other part was that, you know, to go see a movie, I didn't see that many movies when I was a kid. I mean, I think my memory fails a bit because I've talked to my folks or my, and I had an older brother who helped me to remember, like, that I saw a lot of these films. Um, but it was like, you know it was a big it was not only like Victor touched on a huge event for a movie and you as well like the uh, the uh, playing hooky to go see Return of the Jedi I mean there, I tried to pull that a few times on trying to go see some movie but it's interesting that oh and I never pulled it again <laughs>
1: I was <laughs> yeah. so grateful for that opportunity. Yeah. I'm like, I know. I, I and maybe my dad said, you know, don't pull this shit again. But it but, was, you know, was, I That was so important to me at that
2: time. That was playground bragging rights. If you could oh, yeah. see the movie first, if you owned it, if you had whatever it was, It, it memorabil- still is today, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. It <laughs> oh is. no. Oh no. I now remember. It's like, I remember whatever.
0: Where I grew up, there were so many movie theaters that they did a lot of test screenings out there, and I remember like. The First time I went to like a test screening of a movie, it was for Naked Gun 33rd and 1 3rd, the hmm. final. Insult. And so we were like the first people I to saw ever Demolition see. Man, I
1: think that's the only screen I've
0: been to. Yeah, and I was just so like, oh my god, I get to see this movie before anything, and it's so weird that yeah. people videotaping us, you yeah. know. And I, we went to a few of those. It was an, another one I saw was for a Tupac movie called Above the Rim. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, so it was just like really exciting. You're Oh, you're getting to see this movie before anybody else and you tell you can't tell anyone or something bad might happen which there's no way they could actually quantify that but it was just weird and so like,
1: i know i know that you go to the screenings you know now and again or and there's some that you see like months mm-hmm. and sometimes even half a year before they're actually released have you seen maybe like one or two examples of of some that have changed since you saw a screening uh, yeah to where you actually saw it and yeah, World, video World in-
0: War Z is like I went to a test screen of World War Z like 6 months before it came yeah, out. Yeah, remember that, yeah. And um it, yeah, the version I saw I think was much better than the one that came out. Hmm. Um and it was just little things. T- I mean, like one if you watch World War Z now, um the ending is very left open cuz to like make it a franchise versus that version which was kind of like had a definitive ending, and you could tell they had so much footage because they reshot like half the movie. There was a big montage of the end of all the different battles that happened in the book because they shot a lot of them. There was one in Russia and everything, and it had the newscasters saying, we're winning thanks to, you know, the different tactics, and a few of them like, actually, reference stories in the novel. Mm-hmm. So, I, like, you know, like, oh, this is a story with the girl who gets shot down and then she imagines everything, you know. So, it was referencing things in the novel. Um, there were different, like, uh, there's a part at the end of World War Z where, like, Brad Pitt figures out how to immune himself and he stops to grab a soda from a soda machine and he's walking mm-hmm. in slow motion towards the scientists and they picked a Radiohead song in the test screening. And I thought, oh man, this is really cool. I like the way they did it. And then the final version they use a generic like hero theme and it was like a lot of changes i think were made because of money and just try to oh, sure. franchise it and like i thought the version i saw was much right much better you know mm, yeah. cool but there's no way i mean
2: i think we can't talk about earliest memories in our age group or that we have a communal experience about video stores and i mean the well, I'll kick that off with is you know we we're kind of talking about movie posters one of the things that really alert to me of course was the big box right. era of yeah. vhs and being able to look at a vhs and it's weird since we only had a couple we had one until i was about nine or ten we only had like a family video store that was pretty close we actually and also didn't have as much money back then we rented a lot of our tapes at the library right um and then we would get but i remember like my folks would rent movies too and i would go and look at them i'll never forget find um american werewolf in london and the original is the cover of david Naughton, griffin dune on the moors looking back and you know but the the original movie post art but the back was Naughton mid transformation oh yeah, and it yeah. just scared mm-hmm. the living shit oh, out yeah. me. i mean that was one of those frightening things actually i think i was werewolves were one of the scariest monsters when i was a kid and it's funny how they're one of my favorites now But the transformation aspect just, like, frightened me. I also remember, if anyone remembers, one of the original pilot shows for Fox was the show Werewolf which mm-hmm. is basically the incredible hulk television show oh yeah, yeah but with werewolves and chuck connors and i mean it was just amazing but it had some great sequences and stuff unfortunately shout factory tried to release it years ago but couldn't get through because of licensing right with the music they couldn't get oh. off the tapes yeah um but it was um it was amazing but i just i mean i know a lot of people say that like the vhs oh yeah it's what drew me in but i mean I couldn't watch a lot of these movies. They were, you know, my folks definitely I, I had a little bit more of a conservative background where they would not let me watch it, but that was the thing. My father loved action, so we watched Commando, Predator, and all those kinds of movies. In fact, the distinctly, when you're talking about going and seeing like RoboCop, the first film I remember R-rated that my father took my brother and I to see was Man. Oh, funny. And he saw the part where uh, Larry Drake takes the uh, cigar cutter to the dude's fingers my father was like okay i'm gonna think about this for a second and uh he let us watch it all the way through but that was another movie marketed to kids that the trailer for that
0: was so like superheroish. i was i was beyond excited yeah it's yeah. kind of it's kind of funny too because i remember like my dad you know he, he was cool he would take us to like see stuff that like you know made no sense to take kids to like you know legend or robocop but we saw tons of movies all the time i remember It wasn't until like i think we were getting a little like he would leave us at the movie theater and we would just watch movies all day i remember like uh we were like where we live we went to this one theater is called mandala 09 and uh the It was one of only like six theaters in the whole country that got to watch the Body Snatchers remake with Abel Ferreira. Mm -hmm. I think it was the, and it was this like in 1993. It was literally the first time I ever saw like a naked girl in a movie ever (laughs) that I remembered. And it was like, oh my God, this, you know, full frontal nudity. And I'm like, freaked me out. Like, oh wow. (laughs) You know, and because and, you realize at that point there's a difference between movies that are rated R for nudity or versus action movies, which we saw like all. The you freaking- were just lucky you got real women. Yeah. Meanwhile, here I'm
2: jerking off to Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, man.
0: Yeah, but like I remember he would leave, and I would watch. I saw The Crow like four times in a row one day, but it wasn't until like I think we got to like we went to see Pulp Fiction, and like there was a part where um. You know, Marcellus is getting, you know, anally raped. That My dad was like, okay, we need to go and grab (laughs) us. Just pulled us out of the theater. It was, like, so funny. That's an
2: awesome one. What was the most, like, ultimate claim that you could say that you saw a movie? What was the most forbidden film when you were a kid that you can think of off the top of your head? Uh,
1: Well, I can tell you.
2: Mainstream or underground? Yeah, no, I went
1: to a birthday party. When I really wasn't allowed to see uncut rated R films, like we would watch them on TV, that was fine. Or if we had watched them at home, my dad would watch it before and then like maybe distract me during parts that he didn't want me to watch. Or he would literally come up and like close, you know, put his hands over my eyes, yeah, I over a lot my of that ears, you know, earmuffs. like on vacation. But um, I remember going to a birthday party and they and I was very young. I think it's like right when Ter- it was like right when Terminator came out on video, Yeah. and he had a copy of Terminator, and every all the little kids were sitting down to watch Terminator. I wasn't allowed. I was like, I'm not. I can't watch rated R, but I wasn't going to tell the kids that because you know I, yeah. I want to be cool with everyone. So uh, it
0: really freaked me out when he started cutting out his eyeball. Oh yeah, that was pretty freaky. <sighs> I was Being weirded out by that one. It's weird. Like, I remember watching, like, the Halloween movies on television. Because they would play them, like, on regular television around Halloween. Yeah. And I remember very distinctly. It was Halloween 2's only would always play. Thinking, oh, no, they're playing this movie again with the mask guy. It's so boring. All that girl does is scream. <laughs> <laughs> that was, like, my, my impression. Oh, sure. Halloween yeah. 2. Yeah. But I think, uh, no, the thing I saw as a kid that, like, when I would tell people I saw it. And it, it was, like what was it when we saw faces of death because mm-hmm, that's, that's the true. movie no like oh you were afraid to even pick the box up if an adult was looking at you because it was like banned in all these countries oh our our video store would refuse to let anybody rent it up yeah. at a certain age if it wasn't yeah they oh, would yeah. have it at the counter you yeah, know it was so that, at that yeah time. it was like faces of death and like shocking asia and like uh like mondo something or other yeah it, those were like the ones they had at the desk mm-hmm. you know the national geographic you know horn. <laughs> but when you see the thing is you find, you see like faces of death it's like when you're in driving school and you see red asphalt it's like once you see it it's kind of like that's so bad it's so cheesy. yeah it is it's, yeah you realize it's when, not even a desensitized thing it's just it's just
2: dumb yeah it's weird to think for me i always think of like that like we talk about marking the kids it's because like, i mean horror has always been my main thing but it was all when I was a kid it was weird because you had that strange division of like uh circa Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and 5 when Freddy was like completely like a pop culture yeah. icon and then you had some it's it's strange I'm looking at your Hellbound yeah, Freddy was Hellraiser like 2 poster I'm pinned though was absolutely terrifying the idea uh, of like the Cenobites mm-hmm. that I mean Hellraiser was just completely yeah, just Mindfuck, like, there's no other way to put it. It just absolutely blew me away. But it was just seeing images, like, again, back to that VHS box art before I even saw it. I mean, I think that's what kids did, and it became the urban legends. Mm Around recess was like, Oh my god, did you well, see that? Like, yeah, and you well, could piece it together through the box and be like, Yeah, I remember that part, you know. Yeah, well, no, I didn't have like horror
1: movie friends, you're even like recess buddies that way. I, that goes back to why you're talking about Fangoria, like that's yeah.
2: that was like my trade. Well, pick. see, I had one friend yeah. and he could watch anything he wanted. I, again, I didn't want to be the uh, the uncool kid, right? So, I mean, I just BS my way through it because I've only seen a few films. My father's idea of horror was, and part of the reason I got into it was because of Vincent Price movies. Oh. And then my mother loves Stephen King novels. See, that was the funny part. I could read whatever I want, So That's I was reading funny. books I should not have read. Oh, sure, and yeah. teachers pulling out
0: like, why are you reading Misery? I'm like, this is really good, actually. You should check this out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, like my, my high school teacher going along the line. Oh. <laughs> it's farting at me. Sorry, I, didn't so be, I didn't know I had that on. No, we're going. We're uh, going. It's just that the timer ran out. Yeah. No. We're getting to the end of the hour. Oh, yeah. So, the we'll, hour. you know, we'll wrap this up pretty soon. But I remember, like, you know, reading. I read at a much higher grade level than the one I was in. I remember I was a kid, like, reading, like, The Catcher in the Rye and telling my teacher I could relate to holding Caulfield. And he pulled me aside. like, you do know he's, like, mentally ill. <laughs> you know, do we? It's like, s- well, I did say I was He's related. probably
2: looking at you like Mark David Chapman, future progeny. Well, here you know be, but mean, then it's like it's funny
0: now in, in hindsight it's just like holding caulfield is so shallow and such a weird one-note character <laughs> but one of the things like you know along those lines like i like, just to cap off with like Kirby was saying there were movies like the exorcist i would not i stayed away from that movie with like a 10 foot pole i was like afraid to like watch it and i like never even like yeah, try that, that to and see the shining it. for me yeah, those yeah i, I really do. stayed away the from. other one too like i remember staying on it there were like some of the like wizard vhs big box titles like just the cover like frighten me and i would not watch them oh, like, sure. like like i remember um demoniac or yeah i think that's how you say that right demoniac it, yeah or it's demoniac, like it, yeah. it's like a grave and the girl's head is slightly out out like being buried a lot, it just looks like a painting, and it's like so, I was like I can't watch this movie. It just like it looks like yeah, I would die or go to hell if I watched it. I think Suspiria also had a, like a really weird cover back then too, and I was like afraid to watch that movie. I never, I didn't watch that movie until I was like a teenager. Just like I, I would just stay away from it with like a ten foot pole. Yeah.
2: and then there was those titles you thought sounded so awesome back then. where You're like, oh yeah, you could go down and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna check out stuff stephanie into the incinerator tonight <laughs> yeah. and it's like our microwave massacre especially mm-hmm. on the big box tip right. you know it's like sorority babes in the slide well, ball ball yeah. rama it's like no you know you never saw any of that but that was the thing i mean it was uh, that was how you could
0: one up you know everything and well yeah and then there were like all the kind of like b movie nothing titles that like you know it didn't look like they would be a good movie but then like you know what's that one movie where like uh, it's probably one of the summer camp murder movies where like there's a girl in the back or this is a cover and she's got a backpack and it's got like oh sleep wake yeah too. it's got like Freddy's glove and oh, Jason's Jerry. mask you know and that, yeah. that was one of those movies like oh man that movie's probably really freaky it's very <laughs> funny I was actually yeah. gonna wear that
2: shirt today <laughs> I changed it but I, I have a electric zombie shirt that is the uh, um that design kind of updated it looks like a uh state fair uh, mirror carnival prize. Like yeah. it's got that kind of appearance, but it's awesome. I love that. Yeah. But um, good stuff.
0: Yeah. I think for the most part, it kind of gives you an idea where we come from in terms of shaping our influences a little bit. I'm sure we could probably go another hour or two on this topic, but uh, you know, just to, you know, for the sake of brevity, we'll cut it off there. And I'm sure we'll revisit this, you know, during our future wrap up or you know opening intro segment but you know that's the cool thing about uh, the stuff you grow up with does shape your taste to a certain degree and you know we grew up watching horror and cult classics and just weird random stuff I still remember the first movie first two movies I ever saw were Future World and The Last Starfighter I don't know if that says anything about me but there you go but uh thanks again guys for joining us for uh, cult classic you know sp- we love doing these for you guys and if you have any you know movies that shaped your taste we would love to hear about them as well as any ideas you might have for future episodes and your comments are always welcome feel free to leave comments on cultfollowing.co or on facebook.com slash cult classics twitter cult classics az I was going to say feel free to come say hi us at our shows that's really awesome to meet you and talk to you yeah exactly and we you know Tell your friends and just give us your input because that's how we're going to keep growing. And you can always visit us, visit us every month at CoClassics, Cole CoClassicsAZ.com. Let's you know where we're going to be, what our next movie is, Road Warriors, the next one. And speaking, you know, for myself, Victor Marino, this was an awesome time. Adam Murkowski. Hi, hey, bye, And Kirby Nelson. Thank you. Thank very much. But once again, uh, check us out at cultfalling.co. And until next time, uh, stay dry and don't eat after midnight.